Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Coinonia Hour. And as I mentioned yesterday, Melissa from Midnight Oil is on. And I'm so glad to have you on. I was really looking forward to you being here today. Glad to be here, Joni. Yeah, I'm getting used to the Skype thing again. I haven't used Skype in a while. So <laughs> anyways, thank you for your patience. Um, so um, welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. And I know that people that follow this uh, Joni Stahl's Field Notes and My Heavenland Devotions, I know many of them tune into your channel all the time. So I know everybody's been looking forward to you being here. Well, it's, it's an honor to be here, Joni, and it's been a pleasure just to get to know you and, uh, and your ministry is such a blessing as well. And um, I just, I enjoy talking about the Lord and, you know, when somebody has knowledge of the Lord and, and love for the Lord, like you do, it's, it's such a blessing just to get to, to share our thoughts and our dreams and, and the things the Lord is showing us. And it just seems like right now we're, um, we're entering into a, a time that's, uh, I don't know, just a little bit difficult for the body of Christ. Things that we were talking about beforehand, um, some spiritual things that are manifesting in this world that I, I feel like we definitely need to address and talk about as the body of Christ, uh, because, you know, the world's talking about it and the world is giving their perspective on these things. And I, I feel like we really need to, to talk about it. We do need to talk about it because, um, oh, I lost you on your camera. Can you try to hit that again? Yes, I. my daughter's trying to call me. I, didn't, I don't know how to, hang on one second. Okay. Uh, sorry. It's okay. There you go. That's I'm, I'm my using my phone, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody understands. You know, I'll tell you something. That, that, that's the beauty of our, our home channels. Like, we don't have to be perfect, you know? Right. It's, we just gotta you gotta go with the flow. Okay, so you're back, which is good. So yes. before we get started, let's pray and yes. let's just get right into it because you know, you guys, uh, Melissa and I were having a discussion. Like it was hard to break away so we could start recording, but I thought we gotta get going because there's so much information that we were sharing right between us. So yes. um, do you want to pray? I could pray. It's up to you. Why don't oh, you, you go ahead? You want okay. me to pray? You can pray. I can pray. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll pray. I'll go ahead and do it. Okay. All right. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you today and we look to you as your servants, friends, and your vessels, Lord, your vessels of mercy, your vessels prepared aforetime unto glory. And we come together in your name. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we just ask you to encompass our path, to encompass mm -hmm. our way to approve the words that we will be speaking that we ask you, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that he would prompt us, that, Lord, that our ears would be open and attentive to his voice and his leading. Um, we follow you, and we thank you, Jesus, and we exalt your name. We praise your name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we commit all to you, and we offer it unto you as a gift and a blessing unto you. For all time in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to let you go ahead and start because you have some great things that we were talking about. And so I just want to like just hand it over to you right now. Oh, okay. 
Well, one of the main things that we were talking about, okay, everybody's probably heard about the Miami Mall, the Bayside Mall incident where these images, these black shadows were appearing. And um, we have both watched a few videos on it. And, and people are saying basically the same thing, right, about these things. And, um, and I know this is something that a lot of people in the body of Christ have issue with, uh, that that there are demons. I mean, some people don't even believe that there are demons, even though Jesus uh, very clearly spoke of demons and cast demons out. Uh, but some people don't believe that there could be any kind of uh, being that came from fallen angels. Okay, even though we know there there was a falling away. You know, Satan led what one third of the angels out of heaven, and so we know there are fallen angels and. Uh, the book of Enoch, if, if you um, take time to read that, goes into detail about what these watchers, they were called watchers, there were 200 of them, okay, and how they led mankind astray, and they taught them how to make weapons of war, and uh, they had a breeding program, so to speak, with women, and that resulted in three different types of beings, okay, and can't name all of them. One was giants. One was like Nephilim or Rehiam and Elohim. I don't, not Elohim, but yeah. just some other type. And so we have these beings that Enoch talks about that even the fallen angels came to Enoch and asked him to intercede. All right. For them. But there was no uh, way that they could be restored. All right. These beings had their choice. They chose to, to leave heaven and they came to earth and they made, um, they made war with human beings by trying to cause them to kill each other. Okay. Weapons of warfare, teaching them war and, um, and by breeding these other types of, of evil beings. And so back then, okay. In the days of Noah, these things roamed the earth and, and it was, everybody knew about them, right? It wasn't a, a big secret. And so uh, the people back then, were corrupted by these things. There was violence. The Bible says, you know, their the mind, their minds were always on violence. Now Jesus said something interesting concerning end times. He said that it would be as in the days of Noah. Now some people think that means, well, it just means that people will be eating, drinking, giving in marriage, and it's just going to be like you know normal life. But when you think about what Noah was dealing with back then, these these uh, Nephilim, these hybrid beings, uh, we have to stop and ask ourselves, is, is that happening now? We, we all, I think, believe we're in the end times, we're in the last hours. So if that is true, then there should be something similar on the earth. Okay, so I, I believe that people like Tom Horn and uh, Chris Putnam, um, People like L.A. Marzulli and uh, Chuck Misler and have done the foundational research that we we need as a church to understand these matters. And you and I could not possibly go into enough detail to give everybody all the things they need to know. But this is war. This is this is what we refer to as spiritual warfare. Right. This is what Paul said we're up against. We're not fighting each other. We're not up against flesh and blood. We're up against powers and principalities. 
all right, and the forces in the dark air, which would be like the second heaven. And um, so we have to we have to look to the resource of the Word of God to establish truth, right? And and the truth talks about these things being out there. Then we have to understand how we should deal with it, because if they are going to attack us, if they are going to come, be coming against us in some way, and for these things to be appearing in Peru and in Arizona and in the Bayside Mall in Miami, all right, we we have to be prepared in some way to address this and deal with it. And and so I feel like I, I, I just want to talk a little bit, I guess, about uh, our spiritual warfare tactics and, and how um, we address these kinds of um, confrontations with the adversary. And Joni, I know you've talked about dreams you've had where you've had to confront these things. And I believe these are all things the Lord has given us to prepare us uh, to confront the adversary in, in, in a way that we've not had to, maybe. I agree. Um, you know, like you just said it so perfectly, you know, people see, um, you know, as it was in the days of Noah or as it was in the days of Lot. And so it shows, um, life as you know it in a family like a personal realm like they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving a marriage and then lot was like they were building and planting and that, that kind of thing meaning right. commerce right so um all of that says that all those things went on right up into the moment right but yeah. there was a building up into that those that time those that moment that sudden moment where it came up to full measure because god does everything in full measure when you read his word everything you see has to come up to full measure with him. He is perfect in his dealings. He is perfect in his balances and his measurements. He all, you know, we read about the plumb line of God, you know, where he plumb lines out the Israel, Jerusalem rather, and the temple. And so he's very precise and very acute and very accurate. But you see, we are now in that time that we're entering into a spiritual, it's not just like the word season is done. You know, it's like, oh, you know, there's many times we hear that word. Well, this is a season for this and a season for that. And that, that was so, but 2024, and it's not like, well, this is for 2024. We're talking from here on to the end, yes, right? Something happened. Yeah. We, we, like you said, we can go on for three hours. I doubt people want to watch for three hours and we wouldn't do that to them anyway, but we, there's so many things that are set up, right? But we want to talk about the spiritual aspect because before we started even recording this, we were talking about some legitimate dreams that we had and we were sharing back and forth things that God allows us to see. And he allows us to see the invisible. And like I had said to you in Hebrews eleven twenty six, 26, it says, for Moses endured for he saw him who was invisible. See that endurance comes from seeing the invisible now we can have an external uh somewhat grasp and you know the brain isn't spiritual but it's intelligent and it can pick up external things and store it but there's things the holy spirit god jesus christ there's things he will show you you can never be taught you could be it can be described but mm -hmm. he has to make you see it and so I don't know how long, um, and, and I won't keep going because you can, I want you to be doing more of the talking since I have you on, um, is from my youth, I've been seeing these things. I've seen all kinds of different evil spirits, even to fallen angels. I have seen them. 
Um, and that was real for me. And it was really hard because back then everybody was like, oh, you just this or that. And I'm like, no, I know. And it was a lonely walk, but it was a lot walk God put me on. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now because it was for now. It was for right now. Right. So we have to be able, like the, those Miami things. Look, yeah. um, we're, we are going to see, we're seeing them now, right? They're seeing them now. People are trying to, with those, the Miami creatures, you know how like they locked it down. They were taking, the police were taking people's phones away. They were giving it back, but they were making sure to see if there was any pictures on there. <clears throat> and, um, and people are coming out of the woodwork going, no, let me put this story straight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people have nothing to gain. Okay. Nothing. No. And, you know, honestly, I think <laughs> as I was watching one of those videos this morning, it occurred to me that this, this may very well be a tactic. Okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> I believe, I think you believe, and probably a lot of our listeners believe that these beings, these Nephilim are a part of many governments across the world, all right? And they are already embedded in these governments and in the decisions that are being made in our governments, all right? So it's my understanding that they want to reveal themselves, okay? Now, if anybody's ever listened to Billy Crone, he put out an awesome documentary talking about the UFO deception that he believes is going to happen uh, right after the rapture as a means of explaining away the missing people, all right? Now, uh, we've got these things making appearances more and more. Okay, we heard Peru. I think Peru and Arizona were last year, that family in Arizona. And then the first of the year, we have Miami. So these things are, are beginning to make their appearance. And it's my understanding that, that they want to be, uh, they want the leaders to reveal them, but the leaders weren't doing it. They weren't cooperating. Okay, so now they're doing it themselves. All right. And one way to get people uh, really drawn in is to what? Tr hide the information, pretend to be concealing information, because how do we as as human beings, if we're told we can't see it, we want to see it. If we're told we're not allowed to know about it, we want to know about it. So this whole thing may very well be just uh, a ploy to get people more interested, more engaged. And I'm like, hmm, because I'm here watching these videos. I'm going, this would be a good tactic to get people engaged. Well, why do they want to do that, Joni? I believe it's because they want to control the narrative. And so when they release this information, which I believe they have every intention of doing, but in their own terms and as a part of their own agenda, all right, which is going to be to cover up the rapture. Now, I'm not saying the rapture is going to happen in a week or in a month or in a couple of months, but it could. And the fact that they are, it seems like pushing the envelope a little bit with this, this time, timing thing. Uh, I mean, the enemy knows the times we're in. He knows. So I believe he's getting himself prepared. And I believe that uh, these things have been here for a long time. They've just been in hiding. And as I was sharing with you, Joni, in the book of Enoch, uh, it says that these things would remain in hiding and continue to reproduce until the day of slaughter. The day of slaughter, I believe, is the time of Jacob's trouble, that seven years of tribulation that's coming upon the earth, which the 
the remnant church, the body of Christ will be taken out before that happens. Okay, so are we coming down to the wire? Is that what this is all about? And, and as Christians, now we have to be so careful because these beings, I mean, if you think about it, Satan was able to deceive one third of the angels. These are angelic beings he deceived, by the way. So uh, could we not be easily deceived if we ourselves are not really grounded in and rooted in Christ? I, I think it's important that we all ask ourselves, are we really where we need to be spiritually speaking right now? Because if you're not, I'm just saying, when the wind starts blowing, if a tree doesn't have deep roots in the ground, it's going to fall, right? And so we have to take this time, whatever time we have before we're taken out of here, to seek the Lord, to get in his word, to get grounded in Christ, to get to know Jesus, really know him and ensure that we're where we need to be spiritually. Because if we're not, these beings, from what I hear, can be very persuasive. And when they, some of them, when they reveal themselves, I have been told, I have heard, are going to be very beautiful, right? And does Satan not disguise himself as an angel of light? Okay, so I believe the church is a is a target right now. We know that uh, uh, during the time of tribulation, there's going to be a one world government, but there's also going to be a one world religion. So would it not make sense that the enemy would send uh, his agents out to try to infiltrate the the church, the community of believers, not just the church, but I mean, people who have faith in different religions around the globe? and get them on board with what he is about to do. I don't know. There's always preparation. And you know, when we see the woman that rides the beast, he's that's a, a that woman is an amalgamation of all faiths that, you know, everybody if you're this or you're that, whatever your call sign is for your faith, religion, yeah. the beast system supports it to a point yeah. where then he demand he is there is an image made. We know the whole Revelation 13, mm-hmm. and he because he's a religious man. When you read Daniel chapter 11, um, starting I think it's verse 32 through 34, but don't quote me. It could be 34 through 38 to the end of that chapter, and it mentions God. He won't. He he um he will not. He he will worship the God of forces. He will not. And I'm saying this out of context, but the word God. He will, doesn't worship the God. He doesn't acknowledge the God of his fathers, but he worships a God that no one else knows so forth. So you see this word God throughout. So he's very religious. He wants worship. But we know that that man, that evil idol shepherd, that man of sin is the deification of man. And that deification, that's Satan's ultimate masterpiece. Now, Satan has... As we know it, he has a hierarchy. We know all about that. We're not going to go into the angelic and uh, hierarchy order of things. But I have, uh, and and listen, I want to say this because I want everybody to understand this about me and you, okay? We're very careful. We're very careful, you know, about things that we are offering to you. And I I say this because I know I, 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 pretty sure I have your heart on this. We're very careful because we're here to encourage you guys. 
we, we want to put these things before you and maybe it's hard for you to hear. Maybe you'll hear it and turn this off and come back later to hear it. But it's important for you to hear it and even to share these things because we, this is a different time. This is not, like I said, well, for this year, 2024, this is going off. Um, I have been given dreams. Like I was sharing with you that dream. I saw giants in my dream in an underground base. I have had a series of things I did never expect to see. Like I was in shock. I had a series of UFO dreams and I was like, what? And they were powerful. And those things were malevolent. And the more dreams I had, the more I was being revealed things about them. And they are an absolute malevolent force um, now. But these Nephilim creatures, from what I understand, they are supposed to be very intelligent, very uh, well, obviously, they're they're super beings. Really, they are. Um, but they're very like soft spoken. They're very just things I've heard from like people that work at had worked at underground bases and somebody who know knew a person who worked there. And they were completely reliable sources. And, you know, um, I'll stop right there. But we we need to understand that we are going into a realm of spiritual warfare and I want to touch on something. I'm going to bring it back because this is what we talked about. See, you said something. I'll say what you said and then you explain it. But you said, and I did experience it myself, that there was an era of people going, I'm coming against the powers and the principalities and the second heavens. And yeah. you said, uh, well, you, you go, go ahead and take That's off on awesome. that because you said some things I think are really important to hear. Yeah. So, well, here's the thing. Um, that second heaven where these, um, I believe, fallen angels, the most of them have been residing. In Revelation 12, it talks about the dragon and his tail flinging a third of the stars to the earth. All right. Now, I believe, Joni, you saw that in a dream last year. And I believe another person who sent me a video saw the same thing, a black bus coming down from heaven. So he, the enemy last year, I believe, was flinging these things to the earth, these fallen angels. But before they came to the earth, they were in the second heavens, right? Now, the Bible doesn't talk about a second heavens, but we it kind of alludes to it, right? When Paul said that, you know, they're up there in that, the dark, in the air, the dark air, whatever. So I, I believe that we do not have authority over those beings when they're in the second heavens. And that's what I was saying to you. And the reason I believe that, John Paul Jackson uh, shares a story where this pastor and his congregation were coming against these entities in the second heaven. They were what they call what? Pulling down strongholds, just pulling mm -hmm. them down and, and coming against them. But the problem was the... Um, the, the congregation was under attack, like women, all kinds of women were having miscarriages and, and there were a bunch of bad things happening. And so the pastor got desperate and he went to John Paul and was like asking him for help and guidance on what to do. So John Paul had this dream and he saw the pastor and, and the pastor, he said it was like he was taking these, these axes and he was throwing them at the moon, just throwing them at the moon, which was obviously futile. All right. And the Lord told John Paul that we were not given authority over the second heavens. We, if you read in Genesis, when God created man and woman, the authority we were given was over the earth, okay? And the fish of the sea and the birds there. And 
So we have authority here. That the authority is restored to us in Christ. We have that authority restored to us in Christ. But we don't have that authority to go against. So when they were going against those entities in the second heavens, uh, they were giving them a legal right to come against them. And so that's why all that was happening in that congregation. So they needed to stop that. But I know there's still people who probably are going to do that. But that's the problem is we have to be wise. All right. We have to understand uh, that there are ways that we actually open up a door for the enemy to come against us. And right now is such a critical time for us as the church to be wise, to be covered and protected, to be hidden in Christ. We were talking about the blood of Jesus and how absolutely important that is. Uh, you go, some people have taught that that's not something you should do, plead the blood over yourself, that, you know, it's only to cover sins. Well, during the Passover, that, that blood that was covering the doorposts of the Israelites, that was all symbolic of the blood of Jesus. And it protected the people and it protected their property and everything. It protected their lives. And so I believe that the same principle applies to the blood of Jesus and that we symbolically plead that same blood, just like in the Passover, over our homes, our property, our lives, our health, everything, which I was telling you, Joni, I do every morning every morning over family, our, our homes, our travels, everything. And, uh, I believe God gave me that revelation. Billy Brim wrote a book called the blood and the glory. And I highly recommend it because she talks about this. She calls them the old timers, you know, how they, they understood how to plead the blood. And she shares several stories of, uh, of things that people had done and, and how, I mean, just their property was supernaturally protected, their lives, their health supernaturally restored. And this is something that I actually, I know of a church not far from where I live that will not talk about the blood. They won't sing songs about the blood. It's almost like the blood has become offensive. Well, isn't the cross offensive to somebody who doesn't want to die to themselves? Yeah, the cross is an offense and the blood of Jesus is an offense. And so we have to we have to return to the basics. We have to get back to the basics, the foundational truths of the Word of God right now, and and get grounded in them and walk in them and and learn to walk in our authority and and close the door to sin. I mean, sin. I'm sorry, but it it's a door to the enemy. If you have sin in your life, you're giving the enemy a legal right to come against you in some way. You got to close. We've got to close those doors. Jesus is coming for a bride without spot and without wrinkle. All right. And I pray, I pray, Jesus said, pray always that you are counted worthy to escape all that's coming upon this earth and to stand before the son of man. And, and I believe when he said that he was speaking of a worthiness that comes from a genuine faith in Jesus and, and walking with him and him being Lord of your life, not just in word, like I call you Lord, but I mean, I'm truly serving you and submitted to you and walking with you in a holy and a reverent fear of you. And, you know, I think about the scripture that says to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. And, you know, I, I felt like the Lord gave me a revelation on that recently, because when people read that, I think they, they read it like, oh, I, I am, am I supposed to be in fear that I'm going to lose salvation? No, I believe that scripture is referring to, we should recognize that we are so fallible, right? That we are so weak, like Paul talked about his weaknesses, 
that if we were not, if we're not completely relying on Jesus, that we are going to, we're going to fall flat on our faces. That should be the fear and trembling we're in, right? That as we walk this walk with the Lord Jesus, I mean, I, I'm not sure where you stand on this journey. You know, I do believe a person can forfeit salvation, that they can say, I don't want you anymore, Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe Jesus takes that away from anyone. No. I believe, and but when you recognize, and, and I, the reason I say that is a book I read um, by Ken, uh, Kenneth um, Hagen called The Overcoming Church in, in the 50s. He was literally given a vision of a woman who had been married to a pastor. I mean, he was taken into this visitation with Jesus and he sees this woman. And I shared this in a video last year, but he sees this woman and she like, initially these demons are talking to her, but she's a Christian. She's a mature Christian married to a pastor for 20 years. And they're saying, Oh, you're so beautiful and so talented. And, and at first she was pushing those thoughts away. Right. But then after a while, she starts actually believing this stuff. And then she starts to get bitter because now like my husband has helped held me back from becoming famous and rich and everything I could have had. And so she, this woman in, in real life, he was praying with this pastor who had, they had been divorced. He didn't even know this woman, but now he sees in this vision where she has turned her back on Jesus and she, and he's seeing people coming to her hotel where she's with other men and trying to get her to come back to the Lord. And she won't. And she basically says, you know, and, a cuss word and to uh, Jesus, like she doesn't want him. And, and so, you know, Kenneth is like, well, should I pray for her? And Jesus said, no, she has made her decision. She doesn't want me. Okay. Now that's why I say we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling because like that woman and, and see it all made sense to me. I I'm like, wow, that is so sobering that I could actually give way to a thought. All right. That's why guarding your thoughts and your mouth is so important. And daily I pray, you know, Oh, father, help me to guard my, my mind and, and take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and to guard my, my, my words, the door of my mouth. This is where the war begins, guys. This is where it begins right here, right in your head. And if you allow the enemy, I'm going to tell you what, he's going to lead you right away from Jesus to the point where you actually resent him and blame him for whatever you think in life you didn't get. This is, that's the fear and trembling that we should walk in, in our salvation. Not that the Lord's going to pull the rug out from under us and take ourselves. No, that's not how it works. I don't believe, I believe a person has a free will from day one until they leave this earth. That's, that's what I believe. And that's where the warfare begins. And then we get into, you know, the other things that we're talking about, but our adversary is real. And those demons that work for him are real. And they're coming against us, church. And, and the enemy knows his time is short. And he is trying everything he can to come against the body of Christ. And I mean, you're seeing it uh, in, in your dreams. Um, I've seen it. And, and you can feel it. And, and you know, I mean, my goodness, like on Christmas night, I mean, I, I, thought, I thought I might die. You know, I mean, that what I came down with, I was so sick at the enemy, it just, he attacks, he attacks. And we have to just constantly be hidden in Christ and looking to the Lord. And no matter what he throws at us, we've got to stay steady. We, I don't think we have very long. I really don't. As the church, I think that time is coming when it's going to get, you know, when you hear the word harpazo, it literally means to, to grab by the head of the hair and pull somebody out of the 
path of danger. That's like quickly. So, I mean, we are ramping up to that point right now. I mean, these things, Joni, are, are appearing right in front of people brazenly appearing in front of people and it's just going to it's going to increase we know it's going to increase right in fact our friend marty breeden saw that in his uh vision or or dream where these mm -hmm. things were attacking like ufos where there was a ufo attack and it uh i mean it's coming it's coming i believe it's going to actually be in conjunction with the rapture and i told you and i'm just going to say this I had listened to somebody. He worked in an underground base with these Nephilim. He was a whistleblower. He did a uh, he did an interview, but it, he didn't say who he was. And literally, he said these Nephilim showed him a hologram of a. It, he didn't know it was a hologram. He thought it was an actual UFO ship. And this Nephilim said, "No, that's not real. It's a hologram." And he said. He said, in April of 2024, there's going to be a UFO hologram invasion. And he said, um, he told him, there, there'll be actual fighter jets that are fight, you know, uh, firing guns. So it looks like the UFOs are firing, but it's going to be a UFO thing in April of 2024. Will that happen? I don't know. Why April of 2024? I don't know. You know, you mentioned something about time, about Satan knowing what time it is, and he does, and there's a scripture to prove it. We know that <clears throat> it exists in Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. Woe unto you, earth and sky, or earth and sea, for the devil hath gone down unto you, and he is filled with wrath, for he knoweth, but he has but a short time. There is, he is so, as God is acute, and perfect in timing. The enemy obviously is no match. He, Christ is matchless. But Satan absolutely understands time. And though he is this invisible being, he works within the boundaries of time for his own self. Because, that, see, look, Satan knows about that bottomless pit at the second coming when Christ comes again at the post-battle of Armageddon and after the supper of the great God, that angel comes down from heaven, right, with a great chain, binds them up, casts them into the, ab the abyss, um, closes it, seals it for a period of 1,000 years. He's released again. We're looking, we're looking at this. At the end of that thousand years, he's loosed for a little season and he goes out and he gathers all the multitudes of the earth and they encamp about the beloved city. And that's when he is the next verse is Revelation 20, 10, 29, verse 9, where it says, and God sent lightning and he was cast into the lake of fire where the false prophet and the Antichrist are, will be future. Um, to be tormented day and night, which is there's no night and day there, obviously, because it's under the earth. We know it was a Greek expression of forever. Um, so if that 1,000 years, which we understand it to be a 1,000 years of peace, and it's not going to be perfect, we know that it's a throne of righteousness. We know that Revelation, uh, Psalm chapter 2, 
you know, where it says that his throne becomes the iron rule of Christ, okay? He rules them with a rod of iron. That's why it says, uh, kiss the sun, lest he be angry, lest ye perish in the way when his anger is kindled but a little. We see also in Micah chapter four, verse five, it says they, and this is, that's the millennial chapter of Micah where it says, for they shall worship their God, small g, but we will worship the Lord, our God, capital G. We see Psalm 72, which is the administration of his, his throne. And we see exactly how he, he doesn't put up with sin. We understand also too, and I'll say this is the very last thing, um, that um, a sinner being a hundred uh, will die. Look, so it sounds like, and no scholar will put a rubber stamp on it, but it very strongly suggests that he there's a limitation he'll put up with. Because you see, people that are going to be born during that thousand-year millennial reign, they're not going to experience the pardon the expression, the hell that this world has seen over the last 6,000 years, but it's still in them because it is, I look at the thousand year millennial reign as uh, the 1,000 year probation. So to put it to rest forever, that nobody will ever in all eternity be ever, ever able to say, well, how would we ever have known? Satan was loose. He had control over everything, right? Says we know that the whole world lies under the power of the wicked one. So he says, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll take them off the earth for a period of a thousand years. It is a sabbatical rest for everybody. But look at what happens. Look at what is in the nature of man, because it says he's loose for a little season. We don't know what that little season is, but we know it's a little season. And he gathers, it says they are without number. They are innumerable the armies of the world that come against Jerusalem. And so you see that that filling with wrath, and let me say this too, there's two kinds of wrath because it talks about, um, and he's filled with wrath for he knows he has but a short time. There's thymos wrath and there's, I think it's called ormos wrath. If, if you're a Greek scholar, people out there, forgive me if I got a couple of the pronunciations wrong, but a thymos wrath would be a controlled wrath. Like God has a thymos wrath, it's judicial, it's uh, you're done, pow, it's feelingless, it's clean, all right? But an almost wrath, if I'm saying it right, is an out of control, maniacal, emotional, as everybody would say, seeing red. So he goes into an almost wrath. And so we're looking at another scripture I want to bring up because it says in Revelation chapter, I believe it's nine, there's one little scripture it says, for the nations were angry. Have you ever in your whole life seen all the nations as angry as you're seeing them now? And you know what? It's a violent world. And as it was in the days of Noah, violence, like you said, were in their thoughts continually yeah and, and you know i just want to make one point i tell you what as you were talking and, and thinking about the wrath of satan and thinking about you know these fallen angels and and as human beings i mean we, we might feel very small but i want to tell you one of the most amazing profound things i learned and Joni, you may already know this i did not know this until i read that book the blood and glory by billy brim 
And one of, and she studies, she goes to Jerusalem, Israel, she studies uh, the Hebrew language and she has, she's a wealth of knowledge in that respect. And she shared this very interesting insight. Now, you know how Paul said that we will judge angels, right? Okay. Now, does that really make a lot of sense as, as human beings judging angels? However, when you hear what Billy Brim taught, mm. you will understand why. What she said was that um, there's a scripture that says, uh, it's, it's in the Psalms, and I'm thinking, I can't remember for sure, don't quote me, Psalm 9 maybe, where it says, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you visit him? Now, Billy was saying, this is not a human being talking. This is an angel talking, all right? that an angel is asking the father this question because it's like, she said, well, it's like, we didn't even know as an angel that that was open, you know, that somebody being created in your image, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you visit him, you made him a little lower than the, the word there that's used is angels. But if you go to the Hebrew it's actually Elohim, which is the Godhead, meaning God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. So what that scripture is literally saying is you made him a little lower than the Godhead, not than the angels. We were made just a little lower than the mm. Godhead. Right. And so we will judge the angels. We will, we will be, in fact, I just recently was given a dream concerning that it was very interesting. And I think, I feel like I was just given a glimpse of the future. All right of how we will do that, but it will be in grace and in love, you know, not like judgment, judgment, but, um, we, we don't, we shouldn't lose heart. Okay. When we talk about the demons and these fallen angels and these entities, it's important to me that we don't lose heart as the church, that we remember who we are in Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. That Jesus gave us authority over all this stuff. He delegated. And that's what he told Kenneth Hagin in that book. And during that visitation in the fifties, and I know people have different views about Kenneth Hagin. Really. The only thing I know about him is that book that I read. <laughs> I don't really know anything he taught after that, but that what he shared there, I'm telling you he, that he said he would not receive anything from anyone in a vision or anyone, unless they could give him scriptures. So he would ask Jesus right there in the, in the visitation, give me scriptures. And Jesus gave him scriptures to um, confirm all the things that he was telling him and showing him. But, uh, but we, we have authority. Jesus delegated that authority to us, right? So we're supposed to be walking in it. And one of the most profound things Jesus told Kenneth in that dream or in that visitation was he said, the father and I aren't going to be doing anything else concerning Satan until we, you know, the thousand year reign that when he gets bound, we're not doing anything else. So you might as well not pray about us doing something for Satan. And Ken, I mean, that blew him away. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, we're all, a lot of us are play, praying useless prayers. And that's where we have to, that's the point I want to make here is that we have to grow up spiritually, Joni, as the body of Christ, as the church and, and, and assume responsibility, you know, for our own lives, our families, our homes, our communities, our fellowships, if you're a part of a fellowship, and recognize that it is our job to do the warfare, right? It's our job to push back the enemy. It's our job to be the light. Yeah, it's not so it's not that hard to push back the enemy when you stop and think about, well, how do you get rid of darkness out of a room? Well, you turn on the light. Mm. Right? 
are we not told we are the light, we are lights of the world, right? We are the light of the world. Jesus Mm -hmm. gave us his light. He put his light in us. He said, you don't put it under a bushel. You don't hide it under a bed. And to, to be the light, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. So how we live our lives is being the light, you know, opening the door for somebody, for goodness sake, smiling at, at the cashier, you know, when you're aligned, the, the smallest acts of kindness, I believe, have the greatest impact, much more than what we think, and are so much more important in the courts of heaven than we will ever realize this side of eternity. Those little things that we do, baking some cookies and taking them over to the, the neighbor, okay, with an, an, a note just saying, just thinking about you little things. It doesn't have to be, you know, something major. I I feel like it's, it is all those little things that add up and have that ripple effect in our world that make the biggest difference for the kingdom of God. We're here to advance the kingdom of God, not just to, you know, survive. Yeah. I love that because I think what, not, I think what I believe is what has happened is, um, is something took place probably let's just let's just take it maybe as far back as say 30 years um the church began um there was a movement you know be be careful of movements (laughs) okay i always say be careful of movement movements because you notice every movement that ever happened no longer exists or if it's still going it's in total complete um apostasy Mm -hmm. um is that the people that, you know, because there was a period of time that I was really studying church history where I was really going through, um, you know, the, uh, they would be referred to as the torchbearer eras, which would be the dark ages, middle ages. And like, for instance, um, the Waldensians, they were a torchbearers. People there, if you're even slightly familiar with church history, you would know who the Waldensians are. That was during the Catholic Inquisition and, you know, we won't go into what that was, but, you know, there would be priests that would hunt you down. If you, if they knew that there was any kind of a form of a Bible, um, they would arrest you and there was tortures and there was all these things. But the Waldensians were a, a obviously everybody was agrarian back then. They were an agrarian people. But you see, it was the women. The men were out there because they were up there in the upper, I think, near the I think near the Alps. I think it was like maybe the Pyrenees or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And they, you know, those big horns that they blow, like the ones from Switzerland where they're really yeah. big and they, they are, they're sitting on the ground and they let out this amazing sound is they were out there with the herds all, from morning until all afternoon to, you know, um, somewhat afternoon. Um, and, but the women were the ones who taught about Jesus. And you're looking at people that were referred to as the torchbearers. And when they heard those women heard that sound of that trumpet. That was those men saying, we can't get to you. We're with the herds in the mountains and the enemy is coming to take away to search for the manuscripts. Okay. And so the women had ways. So, so that's just a little piece of church history okay we're looking at billions of people who are in heaven today that neither could read they could not write they baked their bread they washed their clothes in the river they every you know what i'm saying 
and they had to run for their lives and they had to pay for keeping of the you know the pieces of those manuscripts hidden by shedding in a sense their own blood now it's, of course that's just be a way to say they love not their lives unto the death and so you have this huge chunk of history of your martyrs era right we're talking about the poor of the land we're talking about the poor through the last you know almost what well, you know not now i mean this is there's a lot of poor but i'm saying that was the church and see they had a potency to them they it's like the less that they have this intellectual ascent the more power that they had because they were absolutely reliant on prayer and believing simply what was shown to them and taught to them because back in those days um, there were missionaries that were being sent originally at 100 AD from Antioch. So we have the Northern Stream text. So, you know, so that was the undefiled that wound up becoming the Textus Receptus, which would be called the received text. Um, and so we have these people that went before us, that their stories changed my life, that I, I, I mean, I, and I'm going to say this, and I say this with a, a complete utmost humility, truly. If somebody is, uh, I'm not saying, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I don't read anybody. I don't read anybody's material that are alive today. I stick to everything that the potent work was done and the things that they received from heaven. And they, there's no way any human being could erode it. It was, it's so full of power from on high. And so I believe also too, I know a lot of people like my, I have a couple of friends. I mean, I have a lot of friends that stick to the really old stuff because those are our teachers. And unfortunately, um, I mean, yes, we had our Derek Prince. We had our Dave Wilkerson. They've gone home to be with the Lord. But you know what I believe? Now we stand. Now we stand. This is our stand in the end. What does that look like? You talked about go out, live your life bake some cookies, be a blessing, open a door for somebody, smile at that sad looking person, be available and do it with a sincere heart. And when we do these things, that is the life of Christ coming out of us and touching the lives of others. And you know, all this talk that we have had, which is necessary from time to time, we do need to talk about the enemy. We do need to say, this is happening. But there is one that is matchless and we are his. And all the dreams I've been having, the dreams you're having, dreams my other friends are having. Yeah, we get something like my dream I had, like I shared with you, that lion roaring in my face, that evil thing that was coming up against me with a huge sword and a shield. I don't have any weapons, but it was that name. It's the name of our own names. You know, it's funny how you say you read the old stuff and, and I get that I do, but I, I'll tell you, there's a book out there called Mega Shift and Jim Retz wrote this book mm -hmm. and it was, it was kind of a pivotal point for me when, when I came out of organized religion, I was led to that. And, um, Jim Retz went around the world and he interviewed people because he wanted to see if all these so-called miracles were actually true, right? Things that people were reporting from different places around the globe. So he set out to, to see what was really going on. And 
he shares several accounts, okay? But one of them was a woman, and I'm thinking she was either from India or China, I think India maybe, and she was a part of raising numerous people from the dead, right? And Jim said, I'd give you her email address, but she can't read or write, okay? And I say that because I, I wanted to point out how simple it is to, to walk with the Lord. You don't have to have an education in, in, in man's system. You don't have to have a degree on the wall. Uh, I mean, you can just be somebody who's baking bread and taking care of your children and washing your clothes in the stream. Um, if you're walking with the Lord, you have access to power beyond your wildest dreams. The name above every name, Jesus, that's what came up out of you, Joni, when you were confronted by, I believe, Satan himself in that dream, okay, that lion. And, and he, can't, he can't come against that. He, he has no power over the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And, and this is, it's simple. It's very simple. And, and it's like I, I tell people, you know, walking with Jesus, it is simple to, to walk out your faith, but it's not easy. I mean, there's going to be a lot of temptation. There's, you know, you've got battles, you've got all of these things coming against you. And, um, you know, I learned that at, a, at an early, early on in my walk with the Lord after I was born again at a Christian college. You know, I didn't I'd never heard the term spiritual warfare. And then, you know, I've got all these demon, this demonic activity and the enemy coming at me and, and all of that. And I had to learn quickly how to fight, which I, I knew. I mean, I hadn't been born again for more than a year, but I knew it was either I'm going to learn how to fight or I'm going to I'm just going down. And I was like, well, I'm going to learn how to fight. You know, it's like, well, I didn't sign up for this, but that's what this is. This it's a battle, right? The enemy's going to come against you. He's not going to just let you go when you when you're born again. So you have to learn to fight. And I read a couple books on spiritual warfare by Mark. Um, what was his last name? Mark something. Bubeck. Mark Bubeck. And, um, you know, God God has a sense of humor. He was a pastor where he was trained that Satan does isn't real <laughs> and that uh, demons aren't real. And then he was led into deliverance ministry after, you know he realized that they are real and they were coming against uh, the people in his congregation. But anyway, yeah, all that to say, we can learn. I was 19 when I had to go into training, spiritual warfare training. Um, it's not something you get out in organized religion in the structure. You don't, you don't get that training, unfortunately. So you have to, you have to do it on your own. You have, I mean, it's, it's in the word of God. You, you learn how to walk out your walk through the word of God and, uh, and there are people with a lot of wisdom, people like you and, and others who talk about how they how they fight their weapons of warfare, the, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, um, taking every thought captive and making it obe making them obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, guarding the doors of our mouths and just recognizing the areas that the enemy is going to come at us and and really just looking to the Lord and, and steadily keeping your eyes on him clinging to him, recognizing that without him, none of us would make it. We would all fall flat on our faces. And Paul had that key to the power of God because he understood, he understood that the key was humility. The key was 
looking at yourself soberly and seeing yourself as weak. And when you recognize that you're weak, then it compels you to look to the Lord to give you his strength. And now you become a vessel that's open to receiving the true power of God in your life. But as long as you think you can keep doing it on your, on your own, as long as you think you're strong, okay, then you're just going to have to keep tripping over yourself and falling and getting up. And uh, But when you realize the reality daily, you know, and you wake up and you walk in that profound humility that John Paul Jackson talked about, and before the Lord, recognizing that without him, you can do nothing. Without him, Jesus said, we can do nothing. Nothing is nothing. You know, with him, right. all things you, are possible. Yeah, and you know, um, um, I'll say this and we'll wrap it up, but I'm going to give you the last word because um, you always have such great things to say. And I love everything you're saying. It's so edifying. It really is blessing me. Um, is that we need to encourage one another as we see the day approaching. Um, it's not about, um, I'm not, this is not a put down to anybody that goes to church. If you love your church, more power to you. Stay there, enjoy it. You know, but there's many of us who are part of a big network of believers that are not in a system. And, um, and I want to make it clear too, because I don't, I, I don't want to sound like I wouldn't read somebody's new things. I just haven't found any authors so far, which I'd be open to read anything that you would tell me. So just, I don't want to sound like that. Like, no, I'm esoteric and I can only, you know what I mean? It's like, right. um, I just had spent, because really that's really where the meat is. And, and I think a lot of us too, in our, in our learnings, there's things he's differently. God has us doing and we have to have different teachers that, um, speak to the training that he, a specific thing he has us to do. And you know what? I want to make it also clear too. And you, you coined it perfectly. It's not about, you remember back in the day, it's like, Oh, I got to know what my gifts are. Remember, I remember back in the day, people were like, <laughs> women were like all depressed. It was mostly women. I'm doing this huge workbook. Like I'm talking workbook, notebook, other book. <laughs> I'm trying to take all these tests to find out what my spiritual gifts are. And women were getting depressed. People were like, oh, I'm still so depressed because everybody has gifts and I don't. I'm like, you know what? The very thing the king gives you to do, he puts before you every day. And really quick, when I was raising babies, I had a baby. I was potty training another one. And I, before I had them, I was like all alive and in the word. And I, you know what I'm saying? Going to Bible studies and doing all this stuff. Now I have babies, right? I'm exhausted. I can't read the Bible all the time. Like I was, um, you know, the whole story, right? You know how that can be. Um, and I remember potty training this boy. So understand I'm cleaning the toilet. Like it feels like a hundred times a day and I'm cleaning everything. And there was one day I was so depressed. I was on my hands and knees with a spray, spray gun and a sponge. And I was sobbing. I was like, I was like crying, cleaning up the floor and the toilet for like the billionth time. And I mean, I really was crying because I felt in the deepest part of myself, um, I'll never be able to be used by the Lord. I mean, I felt that so powerfully, like I'm, I didn't see it. I was so young, you know, I was 25 years old with children and I heard Jesus say to me, I heard that scripture, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I heard that scripture come into my mind. 
And I stopped and I'm on my hands and knees with the sponge and the spray bottle. And I was just quiet. And he said, and I said, then that would mean that all of this is yours. I mean, everything I'm doing is yours. And he, he, he put it in me and he spoke to me um, that he is the king and whatever he puts before me is the king's desire for me. It's the work that he gave me to do. And you know what? When he speaks to you, you never forget it because it's eternal. It's from everlasting and it will go into everlasting. You know, it says in the word that in First Timothy chapter 6, Paul says, we have brought nothing into this world and it is certain we will carry nothing out. But I've seen two scriptures in the Psalms. One, I'll just quote one. It says, and your heart shall live forever. And I thought, isn't that not the seed of Christ in us? Um, that I say, yes, we do take something out of this world. And I, I said, it is our soul. It's our heart. Because see, Jesus is not impressed with what you do. He's not impressed with anything any of us do. We're all weak. <laughs> He's only impressed. The father's only impressed with his son. And I have this feeling that when we're at that Bema seat one day in eternity, we just might hear the sound of our father's voice say, did you love my son? Because everything you will ever do in your life in the spirit of his love will be the very thing that will enter in to your eternal life. Yeah. That's the foundation. Now you go ahead. You yeah. give that last word and then let people know where they can find you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I like what you just said though, that, uh, I mean, the love uh, in our lives of Christ that flows through us into this world. I mean, there's nothing more important than, than that love. And, and I know our rewards are going to be based on how much did we love? How much did we love the Lord Jesus? How, and, you know, it just hit me. I rem, I'm remembering a time when I actually um, prayed that prayer and I was like, Lord, how am I doing? You know, I, I wanted to know how I was doing. All right. And that night I fell asleep and I had this dream. Okay. And in this dream, um, the Holy Spirit came to me and handed me a book. It was a black book about eight by 10. Right. And I was just sitting there. There are the people around and I opened the book and it was like, everything just kind of floated up. And it was like a, it was like a like grades, like a scorecard. And I remembered there was, um, things like finances, entertainment, family, just different categories. And there were corresponding grades. Okay. And I only got to see it for like a couple seconds. And I, I was like, when I woke up from that dream, I was, I was like, wow, you know, I knew instinctively that the grades did not have anything to do with salvation. They were, they were all about how much I loved the Lord in every area of my life. And the, and the grades were not like, I wasn't straight A's I'll tell you right now. And, and, and they encouraged me to think through those other areas, you know, and, and am I really loving the Lord? with my finances? Am I really loving the Lord with my entertainment? Am I compromising? Am I, you know, am I giving my children enough time? Am, 
so you start to realize we demonstrate love to the Lord in every area of our lives, mm-hmm. right? And based on if we're in alignment with his will, if we're doing what he's called us to do. And and the fact that we are holy beings, like there is, there's no more holy temples. There's only holy people. And, and his presence is in us. Anything you set your hands to, whether you're doing dishes, laundry, going to a job, that becomes holy, right? Because it's now an extension of you and, and Jesus is, is dwelling in you. And so these things become holy. And, and I liked how you, how you were explaining, you know, that you, you realized, okay, all these things are God's will for me that he puts in front of me every day. And so it's not about looking for the pulpit that we can get up and, and finally fulfill our call to preach. It's about looking for whatever opportunity is in front of us and making the most of it. And it can be out on the trails when you're walking. It can be your neighbor across the road. It can be the uh, cashier, you know, at Walmart that you are called to minister to for that day at that moment. And it's enough. And it's like I said, it's those little things that, that make all the difference. And last thing I want to say, John Paul Jackson, and I told you, I, I felt like he, I'd never met John Paul, but I felt like he was my spiritual mentor. One of the things he taught was he said, he would never take a title. He would never call himself prophet John Paul Jackson. And he said, the reason he wouldn't do that is because he said, if you take a title, then it makes you entitled. And he said, and I am entitled to nothing. And John Paul walked in a profound humility that I believe the whole body of Christ needs to get that revelation of that humility, because until we get ourselves out of the way, I don't believe that God can fully use us the way he wants to. And this is why we talk about our weaknesses. This is why Paul talked about his weakness, because he said, when I am weak, then I am strong, because it makes way for the power of God to now operate through you. So it's not you doing it, but it's the spirit of God in you doing it. And that's Amen. that's my hope for everybody, you know, that we'll all learn to walk in that power. So tell everybody how they can find you. And by the way, I will add your YouTube channel in the description box below but why don't you go ahead and just still let them know where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. Okay. My channel name is called Midnight Hour Oil. And, uh, you know, you're welcome to come by and, and I just mainly share whatever the Lord gives me. Uh, if he gives me a dream, a word, a vision, something that I believe he wants me to share to edify the body of Christ. That's what I, I share. It's, it's his ministry. It's his channel. Um, I did not go out and start a YouTube channel with the intention of building a ministry. Honestly, it was my friend Robin and I back in 2011, we had been given some dreams and we're like, there's not a lot of people who really care to hear what we have to say. So maybe a YouTube channel, people might care out on YouTube what we have to say. So her daughter, Jacqueline, helped us put one out there, put one together and we, we did a video. And, uh, and then I started seeing uh, something called subscribers. And I was just like, well, what is this mysterious subscriber thing? And then Jacqueline explained, she goes, oh, well, that's the, uh, if people hear your video and they want to hear more videos you put out, you know, they subscribe. And I said, oh, I said, there's people who might want to hear more that I have to say. And that's where it all started. <laughs> and here I am today. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, it's a blessing. You know, those living waters, once they start flowing, God, it's, 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 I call it the ceaseless stream. And I've watched your, your videos and everything you share is totally what you say it is. So it's super authentic. It's super organic. And that's what people love. All right. Everybody's tired of the everything perfect background and 
yeah. even this, the beginning of this video, how the, you know, you got to call the, yeah. <laughs> uh, the screen went off, but hey, it's real, right? And real we're real people in this real world, Amen. but we are Christians. We belong to Jesus yes. and we love the low places because like you were saying, the little things, the little things become the greatest things you'll ever do. It, it truly is the greatest things you'll ever do for we do it in his name. So anyways, thank you for coming on. I could talk to you literally forever. <laughs> and um, likewise, uh, thank you so much. And hopefully you'll come back on again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Joni. It was my pleasure. God bless you. It was my pleasure. And I'm sure I speak for everybody by saying it is their pleasure too. All right, sister. God bless you. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.